0: People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. We speak today with Wayne Berger, the chief executive officer of the Americas for IWG, also known as International Workspace Group or the company that owns Regis and another dozen or so companies around the workspace environment. Wayne's perspective on the workspace and occupier industry is unique, but also broad. While IWG is based in Europe, Wayne's organizations span North and South America. He sees the world from a very different perspective. Our conversation today takes us into the world of office use and the things that COVID has accelerated and changed perhaps forever. We discuss our perspectives on offices opening up and what companies will have to consider in the future. Finally, we take stock of the role shared workspace will play in that new world and the space IWG will ideally occupy. Welcome to the pod, Wayne. Wayne, good afternoon. How are you?
1: Good afternoon, Vlad. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Where do we find you today? Where are you?
1: You find me in sunny, beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We're okay. enjoying our first heat wave of the season, and but a little milder actually than your weather right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. We are recording this uh, end of June here uh, in the Pacific Northwest and we are sweltering. <laughs> so, but it's coming your way, Wayne. It's coming your way. <laughs> we'll take it.
1: Canadian winters are long, so we enjoy as many hot, sunny days as we can get.
0: I bet. I bet. Although I think your friends in Vancouver are uh, not enjoying this one uh, right right now. I don't think so. so. That is true. Yeah, Wayne, by way of introduction, tell us sort of how you know your winding road of your career got you to where you are today.
1: Well, I would say uh, a few things to kick off. Um, one, this year I'm celebrating, I think it's my 20th year in business, which is to me is amazing because frankly I'm looking forward to another at least 30 okay. uh, ongoing yeah. and I've been really blessed uh over the last 20 years I've worked for some amazing companies uh certainly most notably uh, IWG International Workplace Group which which is where I work where I work at now many of your listeners know us from a couple of our more, more significant brands Regis and spaces sure but I had a chance I've split my career between both Canada and the United States about 10 years in Canada 10 years in the states came back to Canada roughly uh, a few years ago now and I had spent a significant portion of my career working in the uh, office products technology business solutions world with uh, with staples and had the opportunity to join iwG, seven years ago to manage our Canadian business, I would say to you and, and all your listeners, I, I, one thing I've been very, very appreciative now that I look back is my career has been, just frankly, an epic adventure. Okay. <laughs> and you know what? Probably the greatest chapters of those adventures have been the last seven years both in this electric industry for yeah, a great yeah. company. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I bet. And it sounds like we're we're gonna get into this a little bit, but you know, where the pandemic is taking us, uh those seven years might be uh, surpassed by the next seven in terms of the I guess the the at least the evolution and change in how we work, right? If nothing else.
1: No doubt. We're ready for them. I, I, and I'm sure we'll dive into this, but I firmly believe you know, outside of the role that I play as CEO of the Americas, I, I I believe that work will never be the same than what it has been over the last, I mean, number of decades. And I believe that as workers, we are going into a renaissance period of like no other that I think is going to be uh, remarkable. We're not there yet, yep, yep. but the future is coming together. And I think it's one Great positivity and, and great opportunity for people, both in their work lives as well as the other areas of their lives—their family lives, socialized, lives, personal lives. So I'm I'm very excited. I'm very opportunistic about the future.
0: Yeah. So Wayne, let's just jump into that because I think one that's uh, probably going to be an exciting conversation anyway. But I think it's also you know super relevant to where we are today, both as as the world or as you know your company and any company, I guess, right. So you and I, in our previous discussions, have chatted a little bit about this. Some of the things that I'm observing in in the industry through, you know, commercial real estate is a lot of people in the industry are kind of looking forward to kind of going back to the offices, you know, and that kind of thing. I'm a little skeptical personally about where, you know, some of those hopes are and usually I tell people, you know, I got two words for you, you know, Marissa Meyer. <laughs> and <laughs> and her experience over at, you know, Yahoo when she came there and wanted everybody to go back to the office didn't quite work out that way convinced that this pandemic has shifted things into a certain direction away from the office not that the offices are not going to be you know necessary anymore but away from the way we used to do things. Tell me how do you see things I mean you you are in Canada but you oversee the Americas so that's both north and South America correct
1: you got it North and South America
0: yeah and so how is how is the you know relationship to work changing throughout the countries that that you guys uh, oversee?
1: Well, it's a great question, Vlad. And to your point, we are it's amazing the amount of time my days spent just understanding work trends that we're seeing across the United States, Canada, right through New Mexico and, and down to Argentina. And what's interesting right now is, you know, no doubt that the last 16 months have been incredible, incredible, extraordinary time and frankly, challenge, right? There's no doubt for so many people. But what's interesting is we're really starting to see the shift, and the shift is taking place across the United States, in which the idea of how people work, when people work, and where people work is looking very different. And what, what's interesting is because the pandemic's been ongoing for the last 16 months, just human condition keeps us looking at what's in front of us, you know, the most immediate need. And we're looking at everything through the lens of a pandemic, but we need to take a step back. Prior to the pandemic, back in January, February 2020, 2019, 18, beyond that, more than 50% of the world's workforce was working from somewhere other than their traditional corporate headquarters for at least two days out of the week. So this this trend was, was already in full momentum. Like our business of co-working in flex space had been growing exponentially each year over the last eight years minimum. And that partly is to do with with ensuring that we can keep up with the demand flow that we're seeing from organizations. And it wasn't just new companies or or freelancers or scale ups. It was your enterprise organizations as well. They were looking at finding ways to manage their their balance sheet while they were giving their employees great access to space where it made sense for them to work. So, So the world was shifting prior to then. Now, what we're seeing now is companies and employees have all taken the time to take a step forward together and say, look, how we've been working over the last 16 months has worked, right? We're productive, we're engaged, right? And the idea of going to an office five days a week for the same, at the same one centric location is really becoming a thing of the past. What we're seeing now is this movement towards purpose-driven work and more workplace ubiquity, where people are going to be able to work from where they need to work based on what's required of them that very day. So what's really interesting is people are capturing this this new movement and employers are seeing it as well because they've had this workforce that's had to work from somewhere other than a traditional office over the last 16 months. So we're seeing this big movement towards flexibility.
0: Yeah, and anecdotally, I mean, some of the stuff that we're also seeing and hearing is that through some, you know, hiring negotiations, things are already moving, uh, you know, towards this very obvious choice or, you know, the employees are looking for choices, right? They're looking for flexibility. They're looking for their abilities to maybe work from somewhere else. I've heard from other people, other CEOs who have, you know, basically said, yeah, you know, the people that left during the pandemic can move to, if you think of, you know, the Bay area kind of, you know, if they moved to San Diego or Tahoe or whatever, right? They're not coming back, right? And then, then they can't get them to come back. There have been some other companies that have basically saying, you know, if you can't come back, you're going to lose your job, or we're going to have a different kind of conversation. Again, uh, I, I don't think those are those are going to be lasting conversations because I, I just don't think that those people are going to stay anyway, right? I mean, that's that's kind of where things are going, and I think this flexibility is here to stay. Now, not to say that you know office space won't be necessary, right? But it'll just be used very differently.
1: You're exactly right. Look, office space is needed. There's no doubt about that. And we're going to continue to utilize office space for for, for the needs that, that are going to be required for workers. But those needs are going to look differently. But to your point earlier, flexibility is here to stay. And it's not even just a novelty any longer. What's happening now is Workers are making decisions on whether or not they're going to stay at a company or join a company based on whether or not that organization has a flex strategy in place. And unless, and I'll be very explicit with you and your listeners, unless the organization is an organization of which has a certain level of stature or representative image or is a place that is a such a high demand destination, if that company, if that company requires their employees to come to the office for up five days a week, every day, regardless of what's required of that employee's workday, unless they fit that maybe small percentage of organizations, organizations and companies will lose talent. People are going to leave those companies. And this isn't even a battle for top talent any longer. Prior to the pandemic, we saw this big movement around what we call generation flex, where Top talent was going to organizations that offered a flex strategy because people want the ability to have flexibility in their day. It doesn't mean mean they're looking to work less or achieve less results. They're actually aiming to achieve achieve a higher degree of results. But they were only going to join an organization that um, offered a flex strategy as a part of their employment package. Now, that was a top talent piece. What's happening now is it's not even about top talent any longer. It's really just about talent in general. Most companies that are out today need to be considering a flex strategy because what's happening now is 77% of companies are instituting a flex strategy starting in September. You imagine the other 23%. Those 23% that want to hold on to draconian views are going to lose not just their best people, but people in general.
0: Yeah, interesting. So Wayne, as you look at this, you know, landscape shifting and evolving very rapidly, you know, you guys have a number of companies that are, you know, part of your... If you will, network of uh, of uh, you know services, right? How do you guys think about how those will evolve? So, and I'm just sort of you know look, looking at your website. You know, there's HQ, there's Basepoint, Open Office. You know, other than obviously you know spaces and um, also Regis. But what 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 does that mean for you guys as an organization going forward?
1: Well, it's a great question. So, one, it's a critical part of our strategy. We are the one flex based co-working provider globally that has a diversified brand portfolio. And if you think about it, almost equate it to a hotel chain like Marriott. Right? Marriott has dozens of different brands that service different types of clientele. Yep. Price point, desire, location, need whether it's business or or um, or recreational it's no different in workspace actually if you look at our business we have over two dozen different brands uh we have roughly about six different global brands but but we have two dozen brands at least acro- around the world and the brands keep growing you may have seen that we've uh, we've now taken a majority stake in uh, in the wing which is a female-centric co-working yep co-working organization that operates locations across the U.S., we're incredibly excited to be working with the Wings leadership team, helping support their growth globally, right? Because we believe in their mission. We also understand that it's an important brand element to bring in under the IWG umbrella because people, employers, and employees are looking for different types of workspace. They're going to be looking for locations in the suburbs. They're going to be looking for locations downtown. They're going to be looking for locations that meet a certain need. They're going to be looking for different price points. For example, HQ is a great product. It's a great location offering that we provide organizations that are looking for well-designed workspace at a traditionally lower price point. You've got Regis, which many of our Fortune 500 um, clients rely on because it's the world's largest brand when it comes to coworking. So they know that a Regis in San Francisco will operate and look and feel exactly the same as a Regis in the Cayman Islands, right? So they have that type of identifier. And many of our, many of our clients want the ability to be able to turn to us and be able to get their employees set up quickly, with very with very little interruption, whether it's entering into a new market or or being able to support an employee needs, so they can rely on brands like Regis. and of course Spaces, which has probably been one of our most successful growth brands over the last five to ten years has uh, has continued to grow. Now it's a it's a well over a billion dollar business with uh, I think over 500 locations and growing at this point. Um, so And that product provides a different look, a different feel, a different host of amenities. So, so having a diversified brand portfolio gives companies the ability to pick the right type of workspace at the right price with the right type of amenities they need right. based on their employees. And what's interesting is it's not just about picking one brand. We have many of our clients that will use multiple brands for their employees, uh, so we'll have clients that will that will have agreements with us at Regis locations because it makes all the sense for their back office business, and then they'll also work with us at our spaces locations to provide space for their marketing teams, their sales organization, different groups that that have a lot of client facing interaction, consultants, etc. So, so the, the diversified brand portfolio provides that element. The other piece it does is it gives investors depth of choice. So for example, you may or may not know, we launched franchising about 5 years ago.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question actually. That's that's one of the things you guys also offer is uh, yeah. you know working with other sort of, you know, enterprises if you will through a franchise model, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it helps us we see the opportunity in co-working. I mean, this is this is a global opportunity. Today, we operate in 123 countries, 3,600 locations. But frankly, we believe that we need to grow our network base to 30,000 to 50,000 locations okay. because the reality is people are going to want to work and work close to where they live. Yeah. And people are going to want to be able to work from wherever they need to be based on their clients or their teams. Work needs to be ubiquitous. So for us to grow from 3,600 to 30,000 to 50,000, it's a tremendous amount of capital, just like, for example, Marriott growing their landscape of locations. We are partnering with investors like franchisees who are looking for great returns. And that also helps, but invest the capital, of course, to build, we operate. And then from there, we grow the network.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that that we've observed and you probably see this you know more closely so i want to you know ask you specifically where do you think this is heading but but is this you know whole notion that because more flexibility is going to be offered Work that means companies might need you know shared workspace in places where they didn't typically think about it, um, maybe a secondary or a tertiary market of a certain region and things like that. Do do you see a real need for that kind of product um, emerging throughout some of the you know biggest kind of work centers around around the globe?
1: Yes, and if you look back at the pandemic over the last sixteen months, what's interesting is. Part of our business grew during the pandemic, and that was our business in the suburbs and tertiary markets because it gave people access to great, clean, well-secured space yeah, that yeah. was closer to their home. So our business in the suburbs grew. So we, we look back at the five years prior to the pandemic, we had a very significant focus at growing in tertiary markets and suburban markets, while many of our competitors, they grew in the downtown cores. Now, we did it as well don't get me wrong. The good news, though, is that we had already had a well-established CBD business. And we also understood that this world of work was shifting dramatically. And, and the demand was coming in from our clients looking for you know, locations, for example, in Napa that we had just recently opened up. Yep, yep. We've had amazing demand in Napa. We've grown in the Sacramento Valley area. We've grown, obviously, in San Francisco, but we've also grown around the area as well so so that demand for the suburbs and tertiary markets was growing and we believe there's still significant growth it, and what's interesting is we're, we're seeing it in tertiary markets we 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 believe that you know every township and village and suburban area is going to is going to need and see value in a great co-working location and a lot of it's around that 15-minute city concept that we may want to talk about. But the other big piece is it's not just about office space. So we're starting to see significant interest in growth in other sectors, incorporating in workspace. So, for example, retail has been a sector that we've been very interested in. We're getting ready to open up our first space location in Bogota, Colombia, for example. And that's actually in a shopping mall okay, on yeah. the third floor yeah. right underneath H;M for example and what it is is you're starting to see this toggle over sectors because retail is a great access point for co-working yeah. um, it's it's located very well in different cities you got access to highways, byways, great access to public transit, you got access to parking and then you're surrounded by amenities. It's it's almost this notion we're starting to see this blending effect around sectors where co-working can really come into play.
0: Yeah. That is super interesting because uh, we've noticed that in other areas. There, there's one development in the in the Bay Area called Santana Row, which is a retail center owned by yeah. Federal Realty. But they've been super successful over the last decade in now growing offices around there as well. So mm-hmm. I think where, mm-hmm. where you know you guys are heading seems to be um, you know a very similar space. But let's go back to this notion that that you raised just a second ago about this 15 minute city, and and I think that's an interesting aspect of it too, because I think it brings into focus again not just your work and your sort of you know life outside of work but everything kind of in between as well right it's a place where you can go eat it's a place where you can go you know get your cleaners or whatever go to a go to a store go to get some services that you need like you know dentist or whatever right tell us a little bit about how that's evolving and what you guys think that's going to look like over the next I don't know couple of decades
1: such a good question and I am a I'm an ambassador the 15-minute city for a whole host of reasons. Number one, I think many of us over the last 15 months have recognized the value of spending just more time with our families by eliminating, for some of us, a three-hour commute every single day. And the 15-minute city is a concept that's been in place now for a number of years. And cities like Paris, Milan, Melbourne, have been taking steps towards incorporating in the notion of the 15-minute city. and What it means is basically exactly what you mentioned, the ability to live, work, and access all your services, all your amenities, everything you need and want every single day within a five to a 15-minute walk or bike ride. It's not even drive. It's a walk or a bike ride. And If you think about that, we're almost going back to this period of the, the European town square Right, the ability to have these kind of micro economies and support local and also just frankly have a better quality of life. Now that doesn't mean we're all going to give up the notion of traveling into a you know a downtown office every once in a while. This is where what I've been trying to do is is help clear some of the thoughts around this idea of extremes. The world moving forward is not working from home only or working only from an office. It's all about a blend. And this 15-minute city concept is growing a significant amount of momentum for a couple of reasons why. One, because of exactly what we just talked about. People have recognized that the ability to work closer to home has improved the quality of their life. Now, we miss each other. So, of course, we're going to want to go back to an office on occasion. But the point is, it's about on occasion, right? And people want the ability to be able to stay out of their cars and be able to work, live, and access everything they need close to home. It gives them back a tremendous amount of time and gives them an opportunity to live a healthier lifestyle. Now, on top of that, as we move past the pandemic, I believe that one of the biggest elements that we'll be focusing on moving forward is going to be our commitment to the environment. urbanization is growing at an unprecedented rate around the world. Today, roughly about 50% of the world's population lives in an urban environment. The expectations, though, are that that number is going to grow to 85% of the world's population by 2050, which is not that far off Yeah, if you think about it. And, and that's going to be on a number of 10 billion people in the world. So our population is growing and more people are going to be living in a city. So so if you think about the, the opportunity, but also the strain on, on all the typical elements within a city, the concept of eradicating pollution around CO2 emissions by people sitting in their cars for hours a day. Is going to become something completely alien, which is where this fifteen-minute city element comes in. It gives people a better place to live. It gives opportunity to drive local economies, and it gives uh, and it gives us an opportunity to to help support more of a global movement towards improving the uh, the environment. And you're seeing now across companies, the whole focus around ESG with with obviously our commitment to diversity, commitment to environmental sustainability. This is going to be a major element. Now, if you're a company, the ability for a company to provide workspace for all of their employees across all the different places they live, and let's not even talk about the person that decided to leave Palo Alto and move to Tahoe. Let's just talk about Across, or maybe even further, maybe Atlanta, maybe Milwaukee. Let's talk about let's talk about just supporting people who live in various areas within a two-hour vicinity of a major downtown core. Right. The ability for a company to be able to give them access to workspace close to home to support a fifteen-minute city is not really possible unless they work and partner with a flex space operator. Because you just can't manage that many leases, that many, that much build out. It just doesn't make financial sense. So what we're seeing now is I'll give you an idea, from the start of this year, we've sold a million memberships to our enterprise program, which basically gives companies and workers the ability to access any of our clubs, any of our common areas across our thirty six hundred locations. So companies this like twenty twenty one. This is just 2021. Wow! Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been it's amazing. Yeah. We've, we've had this product for years, yeah, but it hasn't really picked up momentum until now, where this shift towards how people are living and working is becoming so dramatic, and and now we're seeing companies like Dell, Staples sign up to to provide tens of thousands of their employees with access to these memberships and. Two companies, specifically one being Standard Chartered, which yep. is one of the largest banks in the UK, and yep. then um, yep. NTT, the largest the largest telecom company in Japan, signed up for just those two companies alone, 400,000 memberships, just wow. giving their employees access to space close to home by going to any Regis, Spaces, HQ location. It's really up to them. They're, they're giving them the ability to say, look, if you want to come to a Standard Chartered office, you can. If you want to go, if you want to work from home and it makes sense for you and it works, great. If you want to go to a productive, well designed workspace close to home that you can walk to, bike to, or a quick drive to, you can as well. It's about purpose driven work and it's about ensuring that you have the access to the space and amenities you need to be able to be effective. So these companies are turning saying, we're focused on a results-based organization, not about where people gather every single day.
0: That's super interesting, Wayne. Because I, it seems like in the future, and maybe not in the future, maybe this month, <laughs> new employees will be, you know, instead of receiving their, you know, access card to the building, will be get, getting a card from you guys that'll basically, you know, give them this, you know, membership essentially, right?
1: Well, you're exactly right. It could be both.
0: It could be both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Because what's interesting is. I believe there's always going to be a need for for employees to gather at a corporate headquarters. For sure there is. There's that cultural element, there's the tribal element of being able to gather and congregate with team members to meet your boss for a one-on-one to do something else, but but it doesn't need to be every day. And 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 that's what we're seeing now is this no is this ability for people to be able to design and pick where they need to work based on what's required for that day. So I, I agree they'll probably get their, they'll probably get their fob and their card to access their, their, um, their space. And, and more than likely, more than likely their corporate headquarters will move to more of a hoteling area, will move to a more of a collaboration space and, and, and they'll probably have to coordinate signing in for space or reserving space that they need based on what's required for that day. Then they'll have their FOB for any of the Regis and Spaces locations that they, need, that they that they want to access as
0: well. Right, right. When we chatted a little bit about how the pandemic has accelerated some of these trends around, you know, flexibility and giving the employees the, you know, ability to work from, you know, anywhere. And you've kind of met that moment really, really well. We don't need to go into that more into more detail around that. So back to my question, what surprised you kind of the most during COVID and during the time that we were all forced to you know look at uh, alternative ways to do our work no it's a good question
1: you know i would say i don't know if it surprised me but i was just frankly amazed with how our teams rallied Our, our just team members across the u.s and canada through to latin america just you know the spirit was so high and it was just frankly incredibly moving so you get an idea i mean I remember when when the pandemic first hit, we communicated with our teams daily. I mean, we held daily calls with our senior leadership team, just tracking status, just preparing to pivot. And to, to let you know, all of our locations have been open since the day, since the first day of the pandemic, because we are an essential service. For two reasons. Why? One, because we we manage the mail for our clients. Right. And also because we actually have clients that are essential services, you know, helping sure. helping battle the pandemic back then. So so we were open, but the reality is, we look most most of our clients from an active occupancy occupancy perspective were at right home. Right. There's no doubt. So the centers were very, very quiet. And I was so impressed with how the teams rallied, because there were so few answers back then. And there was a lot of concern. People were concerned for their health and safety. People were concerned about the steps of wearing masks and disinfection. And we pivoted so quickly to ensure that if if a case of COVID was discovered in the building or in the center, we responded immediately. We had all the measurements in place. Maybe I, I'm probably, I'll bore you with some of the details because I think we've all talked about this so much at, at length of the last 16 months, but I would say one of the things that I was just so amazed with was, in a time challenge, and just frankly, part in a time of like information darkness as we were all trying to determine what was happening, the teams kept their spirits high. They communicated, they worked together, And we constantly were working to try to help support clients. You can imagine, we had tens of thousands of clients that reached out seeking abatements, deferrals, some kind of concession, because their businesses were impacted. So it was probably one of the things that we saw the most. Now, the other thing I probably was a bit surprised was how quickly our suburban business, not just recovered, but actually accelerated. About three to six months in, we started seeing that shift where people that had an explicit need to work somewhere away from home for whatever reason, you know, whether it was family, lack of space, roommates, who knows, they needed a place to go and they wanted to make sure it was safe and they wanted to make sure it was safe for them to get there. So I was pretty surprised with how quickly we saw an acceleration of demand at, uh, when it came to our when it came to our suburban location, so those were two areas that probably surprised me the most when it came to the pandemic.
0: Yeah, Wayne. Challenging times are also times of opportunity. What do you think is the biggest opportunity for you guys, kind of looking forward?
1: Well, a few things. One, like we talked before, it's moving the network from thirty six hundred locations to thirty thousand to fifty thousand. That that is the goal because of this movement towards flex and ubiquity. That is a great opportunity. The other element is, you know, what we saw is also this change towards where work takes place. You know, work is moving to the state of ubiquity. And, and what, we've been, what we've been doing over the last 16 months and actually prior to that is actually just making more investment in technology, more investment in our apps, more investment in connectivity, and then more investment in infrastructure. To help support the client beyond just being in a center, right? Right. So we launched some great home-based working businesses. We've been, we've been, um, we've been aggressive in the acquisition front, finding ways to look at building out meeting room business uh, to a greater degree. Around we've also we've always had a very strong virtual office business, but we've seen some great consolidation opportunities there. So, so. You know, it's we've made significant investments in technology and infrastructure. Because the other the other significant piece is what I've been seeing for the first time in seven years is more opportunity to partner with our landlords. I know we talked franchising earlier, but our landlord partners are seeing this real shift towards the need for flexibility in their buildings. Yeah, but also an understanding that. Offering flex space is also an operating business. It's more than just opening up a bunch yeah, of, right. you know, smaller offices. Yeah, right. So, so our the the pipeline of opportunities, working with our institutional landlords on capital light business models that give them the opportunity to maximize profit in the space, partner with us, and then be able to operate flex space as an amenity. In their in their building is greater than we've ever seen I could see the next three to five years more consolidation in this sector because this is a sector that there were some successful great great runs pre-pandemic but there was also a lot of money burned in this yep, sector yep. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so and, and, it, and it didn't get any better over the last 16 months that's for sure yeah right so so there's a tremendous opportunity on the consolidation front in this sector. And then also a great opportunity for partnerships. So we see more opportunity around technology. We see digitization becoming a greater role with how people work. We think there'll be an impact on business travel. Some of that will be replaced with technology. So we want to make sure that we're providing an experience for employers and employees that provides both the physical space and a secure digital environment that workers can work well all tied together via something as simple as an app.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Do you see a level of fragmentation in the shared space uh, industry where there might be some operators who focus on, let's say, you know, women businesses or minority businesses or, you know, veterans businesses or things like that, right? Where they have like a purpose behind kind of what what they're trying to to accomplish. And will that be something meaningful or do you think that might still kind of remain like a niche offering?
1: I think it's meaningful, but I do think it'll maintain it as a niche offering. Um, and one of the reasons why is you know, to manage a business in flex space or co-working really well, you need to manage overhead and you need to man- You need to have economies of scale to manage overhead effectively. Yeah. So it's difficult to drive economies of scale around a niche focus or a niche mission. So I do believe it is meaningful. And um, but but I but but I think it'll it'll probably maintain a level of niche just recognizing uh, the element around economies of scale. So but I also think that's where I think you can see more diversified brands come into the mix as well because because a platform that drives the business behind the scenes is just a platform. yeah, right? So which is good news because that helps these organizations manage their overhead and be able to provide, the right type of service for the clientele they're looking to uh, they're looking to attract. So a platform can be pretty ubiquitous overall.
0: Yeah, Wayne. As my final question here, you know, it's a bit of a personal question, but what well does Wayne go to, you know, seek for optimism in in the business and in the work and, and life in general? You know, how do you how do you find an energy every day to uh, keep doing what you're doing?
1: I appreciate the question. For those people that know me, they know that I'm. A deeply optimistic person by nature. I'm somebody that believes in the power of people. And my personal mission in life is to do two things. One, to help people that I support every single day across the Americas go to bed on Sunday, excited about Monday. I figure if I can get there, that's a great win. And the second is to help people, help people help them achieve what they used to believe was impossible. So for me, optimism is something that is a big part of my DNA. But I will say that over the last 16 months, I (laughs) purposely became more pragmatic than I've ever been. (laughs) And, And there were days that I probably feel like I was being cynical. And because we had a tough road over the last 16 months, and when I think about the well, I'll, I'll tell you a few things. One, Vlad, I'm excited about the future, and what what helps me fill my but what, what the well I go to to help me fill up is a couple. I mean, one, I'm really blessed. I just had a little baby boy nine weeks ago. When I look into his eyes, you know, you see the world through opportunity, and yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And then, secondly, I'm a so I'm a big runner, and I try to pay attention to the little things. And I will tell you that over the last couple of weeks, just being out for a run and seeing businesses reopen, seeing the brightness back in people's eyes, watching the ratios of masks start to shift, and, and seeing a levity start to pick up just in nature has been really, really powerful. I'm seeing the shift. And I'm witnessing the shift in the day to day, a family interact, an uh, in exchange between two people. I'm, look, I remember there was a time where people did were weren't comfortable saying hello to each other, yeah. walking down the street yeah. for for fear of a pandemic, right? So
0: we cross the street, right?
1: <laughs> exactly, you're right. You know, seeing a new business pop up in a in a new building, it's all those things are starting to happen, and I, I will tell you that that's starting to fill me back up with optimism. And I'm. I'm getting dangerously to a place where we're back to wanting to take on the world.
0: <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, on that note, Wayne, thank you very much for taking the, this time to speak with us. Really great to hear uh, your perspective on the industry. Stay well.
1: Thank you, Vlad. Like, likewise, and I wish you and all your listeners uh, an incredible time heading back to work. Whatever that definition looks like, we're here to support you and and wish everybody all the best of health and happiness as we continue through 2021.
0: Thank you for listening to The Real Perspectives Podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.